Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Well, hello, Police Science Doctor Tribe. This is Suzanne Knabenikol from policesciencedoctor.com, the website that turns academic research findings in policing, law enforcement, and all related subjects into something for practitioners to actually use in the forms of video, podcasts, written form. And I just try to translate all of that knowledge and make it something practical. One of the things, one of the ways in which I do this is every Tuesday I send out three golden nuggets of police-related research to my email list. I've got um, several thousand people on there and it's free. So it's a free service that I provide to you if you want to receive those emails every Tuesday into your inbox with three golden nuggets of practical research information um, including the links to the Ocean Research, then please just join the list. Um, you can leave it anytime you want. Just go to policesciencedr.com and you can leave your details there. And um, then you'll be added to the list and you'll get all those emails sent to you every Tuesday and you get access to all the back catalogue. This week is 52 weeks that I've been doing this. So obviously, you can download all the previous snippets as PDFs. You can have a library of those. Before I get to this week's snippets, though, I want to make you aware of an interview I'm going to do live <clears throat> excuse me, two days from now, with Chris Allen. Now, Chris is um, a researcher, consultant, and a lecturer in the fields of transnational and organized crime. And we're going to talk about this and how transnational and how organized crime has changed you know, during recent years, how they have adapted to um, changing demands in the world and what police and analysts and investigators can do to actually then deal with that. Now he's put together to he's put a course together on this for investigators and analysts who actually want to learn more about tackling organized crime and counteracting all of these new MOs that are coming up all the time. And this is um a course on my academy, the Police Science Doctor Academy. And um, you can have a look at the different options in which you can do this. Let me just put in the um I'll just show you the the website, just go to policesciencedoctor.com CA1, so forward slash CA1, and then you'll be able to see the information on the course. And you can do the two full modules. You can just do one module, or you can pick and choose whichever session actually is more is of, is of most interest to you. Okay, so that's this Tuesday, 4 p.m. BST, that's 11 a.m. on EST. This Thursday, 2nd of December, we'll be doing this live interview. You can watch us here on LinkedIn, YouTube, and um, Facebook, I think we'll do rather than Twitter. I think we'll do Facebook on Thursday. So I, I'm hoping to see you there. Now to the police science snippets for this week, as promised. The first one is about witness mental health. Knowledge of a witness's mental health issues, such as anxiety and depression, can lead to criminal justice practitioners questioning the reliability of the evidence. So this is quite interesting. Um, I think it's it's probably good if somebody who takes a statement or somebody who investigates a crime or somebody who then deals with it in the criminal justice sense is, is aware of such issues. But if it then leads to them accept, you know, t taking taking a taking the, the evidence with a pinch of salt, I think we need to find out exactly what what implications that has on the on the investigation. You know, with rates of anxiety and depression as high as they are at the moment, it's it's quite likely, especially people who have witnessed the crime or, you know, who are more involved in crime than the general population are going to have levels of anxiety and depression. Now, if if we if we now know that this has an impact on how they are being perceived and how the evidence is perceived and how the strength of the evidence and the objectivity is being perceived, that could have massive implications on the investigative process. So I think it's good that we have this 
um, research article as a starter, but I think we need to investigate further and how we'd actually deal with that. If you have been dealing with witness statements, you know, maybe you took those statements or you used them in your investigative considerations. Have you ever been aware of their mental health? And if so, has that impacted how you actually deal with that evidence and how you perceive it? If, if so, please just put it in the comments and maybe we can have a discussion about that. But the, the link to the original article is in the snippet if you are on the list and you can actually download it or you, you get the email or you can download it from the website. The second snippet for today is interviewers' responses, response to resistance. Um, analysis of interviews with suspected sex offenders found that when the interviewee offers resistance to the detective, for example, the interviewers then abandon their initial efforts to, to build and maintain rapport and become increasingly confrontational. You've heard me talk a lot about building rapport and how important it is to any kind of interview, be it with suspects, witnesses, or victims. It's essential. And it's, you know, the, the evidence base is so strong now that that is one of the main ingredients that you need to have in a good interview is to build rapport with a respondent. What they have found here is that as soon as the interview we then offers resistance to something that the interviewer asks or proposes, the interviewer then tends to abandon all that rapport building. And maybe it is a test of a good interviewer to take that, you know, to take that resistance, you know, rather than just, just take it like that and hit back with, I don't know, confrontation or whatever it is, just, okay, just roll with it. And, you know, if, if you um, know the, what Professor Lawrence Allison teaches, you know, he actually calls it rolling with resistance, you know, so rather than fighting with it, you know, just, just have a dance. Okay. You know, the person is resisting here, but, you know, let's, let's not let that damage our relationship in, in the slightest way. I'll maybe I might come back to it later or, you know, I might ask some questions later, you know, but make sure you can, con you continue that report. It's very, very important for, for the, for the outcome of the interview and the outcome of the investigation and the victims involved, maintain the rapport, even if there is resistance, don't take it personally, don't get offended. It's got nothing to do with you. Okay. It might just be an initial attempt for the, um, or by the interviewee to, to maintain face or to maintain their stance. They might change it later but it's important you maintain rapport no matter what. And the last um, police science snippet for today is about prison versus community sentences. Sentencing 1% more offenders to prison for property offenses is estimated to reduce next year's recorded crimes by 2,693 crimes. Okay, so that's if we sentence them this year. But a similar 1% increase in community sentences reduces them by 3,590. Okay, so that's more. So 1% more imprisonment, 1% more community services. This has a bigger effect on how many crimes it prevents the year after. But community sentences cost an average of 25% of prison sentences. So that's 75, um, the 75% less cost involved and preventing more crime. So we know that. Why are we put, still putting people in prison for property offenses, theft, you know, criminal damage? They shouldn't be in prison. We have we have so many other better ways of dealing with them that are cheaper and actually reduce reoffending much more than prison does. Prison doesn't reduce reduce your reoffending anyway. So we know that now. Let's do something with it. If you knew that, let me know in the comments. If you didn't know that, let me know in the comments what you think of it. But um, I think it's it's amazing the amount of evidence we have for what we should actually be doing with criminals. Um, and it's not putting them in prison, certainly not property offenders. Some people absolutely need to be pulled off the street and they need to be incapacitated, you know, to keep people safe. But most people who are in prison 
are not those kind of people that need to be pulled off the street to keep them safe. Okay, we need to do something with them to help them reduce their reoffending so they victimize other people less. Okay, so these were the sni the sniers, police science snippets for today and um, for this week. And I'll see you again next week. And thank you very much for listening. Oh, no, actually, I might see you on Thursday, two days from now. So that's the interview. Uh, let me just show you that quickly again. Thursday, 2nd of December, 4 p.m. British Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Chris Allen. Let me just get rid of my logo so you can actually see his surname. So that's Chris Allen there. And um, we'll be doing a live interview. You can catch us live at the time and then you'll be able to ask him questions that I can put to him or you can watch the recording later on the same on in the same locations where you've got that. So just um, just trying to think how to get you those how to get you those links. Obviously, as you can tell, I haven't been doing I haven't done a live interview in a few months now, but wherever you're watching this, this is also where the interview will take place. Okay, so I hope to see you there and um, I bid you adieu. Ciao. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam, this is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.